0: How can I be so sure? How can we at Town Church Bister be so certain? What are we trying to do here at Town Church Bister? Is there any seed of doubt that we could all be on a jolly? And really when we talk about the truth that it might actually not be true. Do you ever doubt? Constantly I think I hear turbulent testimonies of doubt and faith. Perhaps you've recently in the newly formed growth groups been talking about how you'd wish that you were steadfast. Just would continue to trust. Nothing major happened in life, but you just continue to trust without. Being tossed around like a wave in the sea. We speak of roller coaster Christian rides, up and down and up and down. Easter is over. Great weekend here, last weekend of celebration. But what next? And what if it actually really never, ever happened at all? Where does this doubt spring from? <coughs> what's going on when we doubt the truth when we doubt even those from whom we've heard it perhaps a, a lack of assurance is the big bold headline why we doubt perhaps because we don't have assurance what is assurance why don't i have it in a world of lies subjective truths relativism pluralism. Where do we go for truth? I'm so sure that in that first minute, you've in some way, shape or form, identified yourself with one of those comments. And this is where we hope that 1 John, the letter of 1 John, can really bolster our assurance at Town Church Bista. Can cement it, can ground it, can root it not just in head knowledge as i hope you've already picked up it's not that we're asking god to fill us more with more knowledge more knowledge of his truth but we're asking god to assure us of what he's done and then help us to live it out in action in the fellowship in the unity that he gives us but also in the way that we live in the world let's get our bearings let's get them we're going to introduce uh, one john there's the series uh, theme it's walking in the light it's finding assurance in an atheistic world that leads to unity of the church and demonstrated in a deep deep love uh, for others and let's get our bearings in one john It's like the beginning of a Star, well, it's nothing like the beginning of a Star Wars movie, but it's like the beginning of a Star Wars movie. If you're a Star Wars fan, you can't wait for that opening moment when the music kicks in and there you see the famous words that go from the front to the back, kind of with stars flying in and out. uh, And the song kicks in uh, and you understand what's happening in the galaxy. You understand what's going on the writer helps us contextualize where this movie takes place so we do that with one john let's do the same as you read through the letters of one john and there's two john and there's three john there are two major concerns that john has and it's worth knowing these and we'll come across them i'm sure first concern is for his people this is what one commentator says of one john it's a masterpiece in the art of edification of building up of ensuring that christians are assured of their faith it's a masterpiece in pastoral care and making sure that christians are ready to move on and secondly john writes For the false propaganda of the false teachers. It's a warning. He calls them false prophets. He calls them deceivers, antichrists. And the common factor of all of those is that there are many. You'll come across some of those phrases many false prophets, many deceivers, many antichrists. And these false teachers are questioning A, the messiahship of Jesus, and B, the humanity of jesus so they're either saying it's jesus was less than god or jesus was less than man not spending any more time for that but hopefully as we work our way through one john you'll see some of those phrases john is all about the people that he writes to and john is all about warning them against false teachers who say jesus is less than god or say jesus is less than a man and let's just get our bearings with john who is john well he doesn't start his epistle like writers would usually start their letters he doesn't greet there's not a a sign of authorship but the most trusted commentators i guess all attribute this letter and subsequent letters to the Apostle John. Here's John, the Apostle, who was the disciple of Jesus, who was in fact the one whom Jesus loved. And you see then how John starts his letter. He starts his letter by pointing to his eyewitness evidences, as we'll see in a moment. So John, he's written a gospel, and his gospel was all about a gospel for unbelievers to arouse faith in the Lord Jesus, John 20, verse 31 and 31. He writes that they would believe, that those readers would believe in the Son of God and that, 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 and that by believing they may have life and life in his name. And then he writes the letters for believers in order to deepen their faith, in order to deepen their joy, in order to deepen their holiness and assurance two major concerns people and a propaganda warning against the false prophets and here are three things that are worth taking note of one verse four to make our joy complete we'll touch on that two verse one so that you will not sin so underneath these two big headings of his people and a propaganda against the warning to make our joy complete so that we may not sin and so that we may know uh, that you have eternal life, that we may know together that we have eternal life. Joy, holiness, and assurance are the Christian qualities that John desires to see in the people he so deeply cares about. So let's go. 1 John 1. Uh, verses one to five. I'm just going to make some comments. Five, no, let's go four little points that help us understand what he's doing, what John's doing uh, in this introduction. Let me read uh, verses one to five again for us, just to root it. This is how John starts. And if you remember John's gospel, look at the similarities. I'll read that in a moment. John, one John, one, verse one says this: "That which was from the beginning." which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes which we have looked at and our hands have touched this we proclaim concerning the word of life the life appeared we have seen it and testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the father and has appeared to us we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the father and with his son jesus christ we write this to make our joy complete and here's the beginning of john's gospel the first five verses in john's gospel that was one to four in one john his letter these are the first five verses in the gospel that he writes he says this in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was with god in the beginning Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There's the similarities. Here's John, it's the Apostle John. It's the same John that wrote the gospel. He now writes to a group of Christians that he dearly cares about. And he goes on to write Revelation 2. What is the introduction all about? What's the object of the introduction? See there, concerning the word of life. You see that at the end of verse 1. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The logos of life. It isn't a title for Jesus, the Son of God. It's an expression of the gospel. It's the word of life it's like john is starting off by saying this we proclaim concerning the gospel of god who is jesus christ it's nothing new it's not that these guys have not heard it before they've had the gospel of john and john goes back and says this we proclaim concerning the word of life, the gospel of God. That's what he wants to get out of these first few verses. But let's ask one or two more questions as we dig dig deeper into these verses. How has John come about this word of life? And look at how John writes this. Look what John is trying to say um, to the, the, the Christians here. He's trying to already assure them By his authorship, by who he is, but also by what he's seen, heard, and felt. He says, The word became flesh and presented himself to their three higher senses. You see that in verse 1? That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. He talks about three higher senses, to hear, to see, to feel. To hear from God was pretty decent, but but plenty of people had heard from God in the Old Testament. To see from God, to see God, sorry, was certainly more compelling. We've seen him with our own eyes. But to touch, John's saying here, Well, he's pretty much knocking it out of the park. We've touched. And you see this word, touch. It's not that it's a momentary touch. Touch and then go. The word, it means to feel after. It's like a blind man groping around for a coin that he's lost on the ground. He gropes around and around until he finds the coin and holds it tightly in his hand. That's the word that John is using. In other words, to examine closely that word touch. We've examined, we've spent time, we've dwelt there touching him, physically touching him. It's a definite scent of the resurrected body of Jesus. Where the disciples had a chance to hear... And to see and to touch. John's saying, I was there. Saw the resurrected Jesus. I heard the resurrected Jesus teach. I felt him. I put my fingers in the wounds. How has John come about this word of life? Well, he heard, he saw And he touched. Thirdly, what does he intend to do with the word of life? What does John intend to do with the word of life? Well, he wants to proclaim it. Do you see that? Do you see those words, proclaim, come through there? The end of verse 1, this we proclaim. Begin the verse 3, we proclaim to you. This is what he wants to do. With the word of life to proclaim it. And there's two words that are used to testify. So we give testimony to, listen to us, and proclamation. We want you to experience and behold what we have come to know and own for ourselves. That's what he intends to do with the word of life. The word of life is the gospel of God. How has it come about to John? Well, he's heard, he's seen, and he's touched. What does he want to do with the word of life? Well, he comes to testify and he comes to proclaim so that our experience might be the same as John's. And then look quickly before we dive in um, to verses 6 and 7. What does the word of life produce? Verse 3, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. One, the word of life produces fellowship, fellowship with the apostles, and therefore fellowship with the Father and the Son through the reconciling work of Jesus Christ. So that's the fellowship that he's talking about. Fellowship with each other. Now think about this at Town Church Bissau now as we work out what it looks like to be church, not do church, but to be church, to be in fellowship. With each other and fellowship with the father and the son what does the word of life produce fellowship and then look at verse four joy we write this to make our joy complete whose joy is john talking about john's joy not just john's but our joy the apostles joy the readers of one john's joy Um, our joy at Town Church, Bister, because of the fellowship that we now have with each other and with God. Now, I, I've gone fast, and I've gone boom, 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 and I, that, was, um, that was meant. So let's just have a breather. That's the introduction uh, of John. Now, let's just read, and we'll read slowly. Um, we'll read verses 5 all the way through to 10. And we'll look at two things that John wants us to be aware of. Two things that the people are at risk of denying. So remember the two big thrusts uh, of his book. It's about people that he deeply cares about, but it's also to help them understand the propaganda of this false teaching. Let me read um, verses five to seven, uh, sorry, five to 10. Again, slowly. Uh, so that you might look for the two denials. What are the people at risk of denying? That's the question uh, we're looking at. Verse five, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. We make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Here's the first denial. Sin breaks our relationship with God. And here's what the false teachers are saying. No, it doesn't. And here's what the readers of 1 John are in danger of saying too because of the false teacher. Sin breaks our relationship with God, says John, and the denial is, no, it doesn't. Let's have a little look look at verse five it's the link between the intro and the first denial that John is trying to address look this is the message we have heard this is what he wants to proclaim going back to those the two words of proclaim this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you God is light in him there is no darkness at all the statement is absolute God is light It is God's nature to reveal himself. Look, it's perfect purity, wondrous majesty. He is light. Therefore, there can be no sniff of darkness in him. And so, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Look in verse six, look at that word walk, and yet walk in darkness, means to habitually live in sin. Walk means to share life, experiences, to be together, to dwell in sin, for sin to be a friend, a pal, a mate. See, some are claiming to know God, to walk with him, yet walk as though they don't in darkness. John says, no, 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 this is a contradiction in terms. We lie, we do not live in the truth. Is that, could that be a start warning for us today at Town Church Bister? Could it be? Claim that we are living in the light, claim that we are with God, claim to have fellowship with him and yet live very different lives. claim and being are very, very different. See, I could claim to be the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. And you say, yeah, but Lanx, you're just not. But I could claim to be a Member of Parliament. And again you say... Yeah, but you're not. But I could claim to be a Labour councillor for East Bister. Some of you are looking at me going, hmm, it could be. And I could say, I claim to be a member of the Green Party. And even more of you are going, hmm, it really could be. I know he loves his recycling. But you see, claiming is very different to being. I could say something, and you could go very quickly, nah, nah, na, that's rubbish. Or I could say something, and you do not know that it's true. But it's very different to being. Here's John's complementary truth. Look at verse 7. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. I just wonder before we get onto verse seven, where does this pinch for you? If the DVD of your life was shown on the big screen here, of the last week, where would you go, "Ah!" Oh, oh flair. It's just a good job. People in this room do not know who I really am and what I got up to. It's worth just stopping there for a moment and thinking and considering the things that I claim, do they match up with the things that I do, the person that I am? But verse seven, let's read it again. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. See, to walk in the light means to have absolute sincerity. You see this, it's to have nothing that you're concealing, for the light shines upon it. It's to have nothing that you're even attempting to conceal, for the light exposes it. You see that? To walk in the light, John is not suggesting that you have to be 100% holy, your actions and your thoughts in every sense and in every way. For I know that that's when you'd look at me and go, No chance. You're just inducing guilt. Stop it. The burden's too weary, it's weighty. Do you see what walking in the light looks like? Nothing to conceal. That's what it looks like to walk in the light the light shines upon it i'm not attempting to attempting to conceal anything for the light exposes it now i mentioned before dc talk a band that was so very influential in my younger years very younger years and there was one song and i'm sure um of course it's from one john i want to be in the light as you are in the light and of course we can't teach one john without singing this song or without kind of muttering it under your breath but here are some of the words that were so influential Uh, he starts the song by saying i keep trying to find a life on my own apart from you i'm the king of excuses i've got one for every selfish thing i do what's going on inside of me i despise my own behavior this only serves to confirm my suspicions that i'm still a man in need of a savior and then the chorus kicks in i want to be in the light as you are in the light i want to shine like the stars in the heavens oh lord be my light and be my salvation because all i want is to be in the light here's the first denial sin breaks our relationship with god the denial says no it doesn't it does don't deny it It really does. And it might be for you that you have to today say, Lord, I know that I've been living in sin. I know that there's an area of life. I don't enjoy fellowship with you. I'm not having it. Please, may the light do what light does. Expose. Expose the truth. And here's the second denial and the last denial uh, that we'll look at. Sin exists in our nature and we still do it. And the false teachers are saying, no, it doesn't, and no, we don't. Let me just read that again. Sin exists in our nature, and we still do it. No, it doesn't, and no, we don't, says the denial. Verse eight, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. What does that mean? Does that mean that if I sin? Tonight, tomorrow, I'm not walking in the light. Is that what it means? Is that what John is saying? You've got to be 100% holy, 100% pure to be a Christian. John's saying no, 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 on the contrary. The heretic says, look at me, I am without sin. I don't do it and never have it. But what's the proper Christian attitude? It's not to deny the existence of sin, but to admit it. And go to God for forgiveness. That's it. It's like a burglar caught in the gaze of a policeman's searchlight. He's got two options. To keep running into the darkness. Running away from the crime that he's committed. Or, hands up, you've caught me. You've caught me red-handed. The Christian is the one that doesn't deny the existence of sin but admits it. Goes to God for forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness for sins, you see there? Verse nine, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins. Forgiveness of sins is a debt which he pays. He's able to forgive through a debt which he pays. And then look, and purify us from all unrighteousness it's cleansing with purity the stain has been removed perhaps we're quite good at going to God for forgiveness perhaps we're good at saying Lord I'm sorry please forgive me but perhaps we're not so good at thinking that the stain has been removed that that's it, that there's no now no condemnation, now I dread. Our forgiveness is real as far as the east is from the west. I kind of get that, but purity? That now he's made me pure? What a, a lovely thought, but really, is that me? Isaiah 1 verse 18, Gareth already quoted it. Lovely words. This is God and he says, Come now, let us settle the matter. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Pure, completely pure, righteous. And why? I think here's the trick. Let's finish here. But stay with me for two more minutes. Here's the trick. Verse 9, let's just dig deep on verse 9 again. If we confess our sins, if we say sorry, what happens? What happens? When I come to God and say sorry, to what attribute of God's character am I asking forgiveness from? And I don't know about you, but I look at verse 9 and go, if I was John, I'd write, if we confess our sins, then he is... What might you say there? Merciful. Merciful. Thank you, James. He's forgiven. He's gracious. He's kind. He's loving. Why does James. Sorry, John. Why does John. I must have gone through Paul, Peter, James, John, all of them. Sorry, we're in John. One John. Why does John use he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins? Why doesn't he use some of those words? Well, I think here's the idea. He has been kind. He has been merciful. He has been gracious. He has been loving. And he continues to be all of those things. However, now, I call upon his justice and faithfulness. What's the difference? Well, it's like this. I quite like going to Costa Coffee. Now, imagine if I was at Costa Coffee uh, and um, I went in. Uh, you can't actually do this in the cafe, so the illustration's were broken badly down. But uh, imagine if I go for my coffee, sit down at the table um, before uh, I'm asked to pay. Uh, the price that's where it breaks down but imagine I just go into a cafe then um, where you pick up your coffee and then you sit down you pay later you know like a re- proper restaurant not Costa let's go with um now I, I can't think let's just say let's just say a lovely restaurant in Vista if there is one <laughs> and so I sit down and uh, have my uh, cup of coffee and instead of paying the guy behind the uh, the bar or the waiter afterwards I sneak out of the door say cheerio well I don't say that I try and get out without him looking at me Uh, and he spots that I've gone and he's opened the door hey fella hold on you haven't paid and I come to him and say oh friend sorry will you let me off go on please just let me have a let me have a free cup of coffee would you and he goes um maybe just imagine him best he goes all right I will big deal now, I, I guess I'm asking for his mercy. I've done something wrong. I, I, I definitely should get his wrath or, or certainly have to pay for the coffee. But, but the owner of Costa goes, no, 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 go, go, my friend, go. That's on Tuesday, if I try the same stunt. I'm just out the door. I'm sprinting off down the street this time. He's going, hey, fella, what's all this about? I come back and I go, my friend, please. Just let me have a free coffee, just today, just today. Is that all right? And can you imagine maybe just that the friendliest and nicest coffee owner in the world, coffee shop owner in the world might just go, last time. Last time. I mean, unheard of really, but go with me for this illustration. So go, wow, I'm pleading on his mercy again. But what happens? My friend David here, he loves a bit of Costa. What happens if tonight Just before closing time at 7pm, he goes in there and says, hey, my friend, Ian, he'll be wearing a check shirt maybe one of the days, he doesn't always wear this. He'll come in and he'll try and get away. Listen, let him have a coffee, would you? In fact, here's a £10 no. Let him come in Wednesday and Thursday. When the guy's shouting at me from down the road, hey, what's going on? I'm coming back to him now. What am I... What am I asking for? I'm asking for justice. I'm asking because David's actually paid. He's paid instead of me. So I'm not going to his mercy. I'm saying, yeah, no problem. Hey, in fact, why don't you come tomorrow, Wednesday? Great, we've got a table down the back. We'll keep it there for you. In fact, I've got a cake for you. There's plenty in the budget. That's what John is saying when he says it's on his justice and his faithfulness. Because the price has already been paid. I don't keep coming back to the mercy of God. Of course it's all mercy. Of course it's all forgiveness. Of course it's all grace. But I come back now and I say, Lord, I'm asking for forgiveness of sins on your justice. On what you've already paid. You've done it. You've gone to the cross. Once and for all, you paid for my sin. And that, my friends, gives us assurance. Just a little snapshot. That now I come to him on justice and his faithfulness on keeping his promise. That what happened at the cross happened for all time we're going to sing of such truth that's just the opener for one john please go ahead and uh, read one john get your heads around one john discuss it in growth groups uh, in um, small groups too but we're going to sing about this god that will hold us fast because of the work of christ uh, on the cross uh, it's a, a, a reflective song uh, it's a song that we can respond to some of these words to think of the things that we've um Deny the things that we've heard about, the two denials up there. Sin breaks our relationship with God and the false teachers say, no, it doesn't. Sin exists in our nature and we still do it. And the false teachers are saying, no, it doesn't. And no, we don't. Yes, sin breaks our relationship with God. Yes, sin exists in our nature and we still do it. And yet, we can come and say, Lord, please forgive me on your Justice, you've already paid the penalty that sins deserve, and your faithfulness, you promise to keep that true. Why don't we stand and sing uh, this tune together?